Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. I was at one of the night rallies and I was sitting on the front row. When I got saved, sitting on the front row <laughs> and because uh, I wanted everything that God had for my life. And um, as I'm sitting there, uh, a great pastor by the name of Brother Clendenin was preaching. And he was preaching in the book of Acts and he was preaching... Uh, uh, I believe it was Acts 12, and uh, he was preaching on the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, and he was preaching on the passage that said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul uh, for the work of the ministry. And in that sermon, uh, that May of 1987, uh, in that service is where I surrendered my life to the call of God all my life uh, to preach the gospel. And uh, it was just a powerful evening for me uh, because I didn't want to be a preacher. Uh, I wanted to be a school teacher. I wanted to be a coach. Uh, I wanted to teach. And um, that was my desire. Of course, when I was younger, I wanted to be a fireman. And I wanted to be uh, a policeman. And I wanted to be many things. Uh, But on that day, in May of 87, God interrupted my life. And called me into the ministry. And I remember uh, praying and telling God, first of all, you never feel equipped. Uh, And I told the Lord, I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. And, of course, you know, (laughs) I had no idea the journey it would take. And... uh, uh, probably if I knew a lot of the journey, I probably would have not done it. <laughs> uh, but I'm just being honest. Uh, but I will say this. Um, uh, peace is in the will of God. And uh, uh, God gives us peace in the midst of his will. And as long as we're in the will of God, we have the peace of God. And so I'm thankful that wherever God has sent us, we felt in the will of God. I've never gone anywhere that I did not feel the will of God. And, uh, and so when we came here, we didn't come here because we needed a church. Uh, I came here because God spoke to me to come here. And I uh, believe it was the will of God. But thank you all so much for um, honoring us today. And uh, what a great video. And thank you for all the kind words. Some of you had sent us messages this week and give us cards this week. And um, thank you so much for um, you loving us, uh, even when we don't deserve it. Amen. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, uh, I'm going to try to hold it together to preach a few minutes, uh, if I can do that. And if you have your copy of God's Word, if you go to Isaiah chapter 53, and I'll join you there in just a second, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. We've been in a series on freedom, and um, uh, a freedom series, and um, we've been teaching on freedom, and and we've emphasized uh, when it comes to freedom and walking in spiritual freedom... um, And choosing to eat from the tree of life instead of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When I started this series, we talked about uh, what it meant to eat from the tree of life instead of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we have talked about freedom. Uh, This series that I'm preaching is coming out of the fact of what we have been studying in our home. And uh, we just did 13 weeks, uh, literally actually more than that, uh, of teaching in our home. And it has really not only 
has it been a, an incredible uh, blessing um, uh, fruit that we've seen, but it's also touched my life personally. And so I felt the leading of the Lord to uh, preach this series. But um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we preached on the overflow of the heart. We talked about the things that, um, that come into the heart, that brings heart blockage, that keeps us from everything that God has for us. Matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their, their uh, flesh. And then verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of the heart spring the issues of life. And so out of the heart spring the issues of life. And so we talked about there are four things that... Uh, that can create heart blockage that keeps the flow of God from flowing into our life. And so a couple of weeks ago, I began talking about those four blockages. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about selfish ambition. We talked about um, selfishness, the focus on self. In other words, we talked about how that uh, men, men have a desire for autonomy. We all desire to be self-ruled. And we talked about the restrictions that we put on our lives and how we restrict God. And the answer for selfish ambition is a surrendered life. How many know God expects a surrendered life from us? And so the answer to selfish ambition is a surrendered life. The surrender of your body, soul, and spirit. We are created body, soul, and spirit, and God desires us uh, to surrender every aspect of our life. Now we surrender our, our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions to God. And we surrender our spirit when we give our life to Christ. And we surrender our flesh by allowing Christ, our body, by allowing Christ to be uh, the Lord of our life. How many know that if you want freedom in your life, Christ has to be Lord of your life? And so we talked about that. And then there's... There's the uh, blockage of bitterness, which is unforgiveness and offense, and we'll talk about that later. And then there's the, the, the blockage of evil thoughts that the Scripture calls it, which is the process of cleansing, God washing us and cleansing us. And a lot of times, the heart blockage of our life comes from giving our lives and giving in to activities in our life uh, that create, uh, that are unholy, that are not godly. And so when we allow ungodly things to enter into our lives, what happens is there becomes a heart blockage. But this morning, I want to talk about something um, that I, I think is very powerful. Matter of fact, of all of the three, uh, uh, we, we know how, how powerful unforgiveness is um, and how the effects that it have on our life. But I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk a little bit about uh, rejection and the power of rejection. And how a rejection affects each of our lives and all of our lives. Rejection is a powerful word. It is a bondage um, that can come into our life. Now, when we talk about rejection, it can manifest in our life in two different ways. Sometimes rejection comes through uh, the power of words. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that life and death are in the power 
of our words. And so next week, I'm going to talk about the effect that words have on our life, the power of the tongue. How many know your tongue has power? And the words you speak have life and death. You either speak life or you speak death. And so rejection can come through the words that have been said or the things that have been said toward us. And so our words are spiritual gauges showing us how much, how much in our soul we are surrendered to God. Our words expose us. Matter of fact, your words will expose what's in your heart. Matter of fact, I can spend time with some people, and it doesn't take me very long as a pastor to spend a, a few minutes with someone to know what really is in their heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because the tongue is a powerful thing. And a lot of times, rejection will come through the power of the tongue. Some of you in here, you have had words spoken over you in your life that have become words that have cursed you, that have been words that have, have been spoken over you, that you have, you have lived out the prophecy of the words that others have spoken over you. I'm here to tell you, you should not worry so much what others say about you, but what the Word of God says about you. And we can learn to live a life of, of, of living a life, of speaking life instead of speaking death. But we'll talk about that next week. The other aspect is, is that what has been done to us, rejection can come into our lives, the spirit of rejection can come at us based on what has been done to us, based on what others have done, based on uh, our experiences in life, we can feel and have to deal with rejection. Rejection is a powerful thing. Rejection can keep you from the will of God in your life. Rejection can put you at a place of where you are uh, immobilized and frozen in time. Rejection is a powerful thing when we begin to think about it. But I want you to know this this morning. The Bible, uh, I want you to know that, that this morning I want to remind you that victory is your birthright this morning. I said victory is your birthright. And a manifestation of a victorious Christian life is a life of freedom. When you understand that you are a victor in Christ, you are an overcomer in Christ. When you live an overcoming life, freedom is the fruit of a victorious life. So why do you think I'm talking about the overcomer on Thursdays and, and speaking about that? It's because, I under, because we need to understand the fact that if we learn to become overcomers, we will have freedom that flows through our life. And we have to understand that Jesus paid everything for us to live a victorious life. And much of it is just realizing that he has put the tools into our hand. And so uh, in this freedom series, you know, uh, Monday night was our last night uh, at, at, at our home in this series. And, and I've just been so personally touched by the transparency of those that were there. We started out with, I believe it was 18 are 19 that started coming, and we ended with 16. Is that right? And it was over the course of those weeks, it ended up being more than 13 weeks. But it, what, it, what it was was I, was I was mesmerized by the power of testimony that can come when we begin to focus our life on being free and living a victorious life. If you're going to live in these last days, we got to learn how to be victorious. we got to learn how to live a life of freedom and be free. But the church has been so bound up 
We've been so bound up, we've not been free, let alone be able to set others free from, from sin. And so we have to be free ourselves before others. We'll, others will never find victory until we first find victory. And if the church is full of people that are bound and don't have freedom, then what happens is nobody, nobody's transformed. Nobody's changed. Nobody gets victory. Nobody walks in freedom. But I'm telling you, this hour we live in, we're living in an hour that is becoming darker and darker. I'm not being negative. What I'm telling you is we're living in a world that is, that is, that is turning uh, more evil, that is turning uh, more godless than ever before. Now is the time for the church to embrace the victory that Jesus paid for on the cross and to live in the freedom that he has paid for us to have. And one of the roadblocks to that freedom can be the spirit of rejection that is in our life. Revelation 12, verse 11 says that he overcame by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And, 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 uh, and they did not love their lives unto the death. In other words, overcoming, being a, a victor. You love not your life. You give your life to Christ. You sell yourself out for the cause of Christ. Revelation chapter 2, 7, to him that overcomes, I will, give, uh, I will give to him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We will eat from the tree of life again. Those of us that overcome and, and, and end up in heaven, we will eat again from the tree of life. What Adam and Eve missed out on, we will be able to partake in. Isn't that good news? That Jesus is a restorer of that which was lost and that was broken and that which had been lost. We lost fellowship with God in the garden, but we got it back again through the tree of life that Jesus hung on and his death and blood and resurrection gave us access again to the tree of life who is Christ Jesus. And in him we have victory this morning. We can eat freely this morning of the tree of life and we can live life that way or we can choose to eat off of the tree of knowledge of good and evil which says I rule my life and Christ doesn't rule my life. But the great heart blockage in our life can be the spirit of rejection. Is it a heart issue? We all have experienced rejection. And if you haven't experienced, you will experience it. We all have experienced it. For some people, it can be devastating. And literally stop God's destiny in their life. If you would, turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read a passage of scripture there. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. Now, Jesus was the most rejected man in the whole earth. Matter of fact, still to this day, Jesus is rejected. Matter of fact, he's becoming more and more rejected in our society as we live. From the time of his birth to the time of his death, he faced rejection. He had to deal with the rejection. He first began with rejection when Joseph, his father, uh, was was re, all, was absolutely had it not been for the an angelic vision, uh, vision that he had, he would have rejected Jesus. 
We see Herod, when Jesus was a small child, begin to try to kill him in Matthew chapter 2 when he, when he sentenced all children under the age of two to be put to death. We see he was rejected in Nazareth as he grew up and, and, and as he grew up where he grew up and later in Luke 4, uh, they tried to kill him. They brought him to the pinnacle and tried to throw him off the mountain, rejected by where he lived. He was rejected in Mark 3 by his family when they came unto him, when he began his ministry, and they came to get him to take him home, for they thought that he had lost his mind and had gone insane. I think about that sometimes because I remember when I first got saved, most of my friends thought I was crazy. Y'all got friends like that? I mean, friends like that who needs enemies. They thought I lost my mind. Oh, it's just a phase. Something's wrong with shame. Did he get some bad dope? Did he uh, smoke a bad hag bone? What, what happened to him? Did he take, you know, what's going on with him? He's in a phase. He's trying to clean himself. They thought I was crazy. But you know what? They were right. I am crazy. Because the Bible says, be, be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Huh? God renewed my mind that day. The old man died. The crazy mind got healed. And finally, I got the mind of Christ instead of the mind of me. And they couldn't recognize it because I had changed so much. How many know you get saved, born again, washed in the blood? People will not even recognize who you are. Why? There's going to be a new song, a new step, a new shout, a new way that you walk. Because salvation cleans you up. It freshens you up. It gives you joy. I mean, oh, his mercies are new every morning. And so when you get saved, you're a new man. Oh, listen, if you get saved and can go back into the environment you just came out of and people not recognize a change in your life, you didn't get saved. Oh, preacher, don't be mean. No, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people that come down to this altar and cry and go home the same way they left. Crying is not a sign that you've been born again. The way you've been born again is that your old life dies and a new life begins to get resurrected in Christ Jesus. Thank God the old man died. I left him back there in Johnson City, Tennessee. There's a grave marker there. Huh? Now, he tries to creep up every once in a while and wants to be resuscitated, <laughs> right? Because how many know the devil will, will, will do everything he can to disrupt your life? But I'm here to tell you there is freedom in Christ. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what I'm trying to tell you, that when you begin to learn to love the overcomer's life, what happens is there's a freedom that comes in your life, that there's a joy. Listen, church is not meant to be dead and to be boring and to be a place of where you could fall asleep and fight. Listen, as long as you're in this church, I'm loud enough to make sure you ain't going to fall asleep. <laughs> Now, you may not like my sermon, or I may bore you, I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, God created our fellowship to be a place of celebration, a place of joy, a place where the sinner can get free, a place of hope, a safety from a world that wants to destroy us. There should be an atmosphere in the house of God where people leave knowing they have fellowship with the one who gave them freedom. Woo! Huh? Praise God. That fires you up. That fires me up. You should have pastor appreciation every week. 
I might preach better. No, I'm just kidding. Somebody will email me. Ain't once a year enough? Yeah, it is, it is. I'm... <laughs> Mark chapter 5, Jesus was rejected by his own people. Romans chapter 5 says it was the Jews that killed him, but we know it was more than just the Jews. Your sin and my sin put him on that cross. He was rejected. While he was on the cross, he was rejected by the Father. The Bible said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's the only time Jesus ever addressed heaven without calling out first to his Father. And the reason was that while he was on the cross, he was forsaken by God because he carried your sin and my sin. He was willing to be rejected by his Father so that you and I today cannot be rejected by him, but be loved by him and accepted by him. We are accepted in the beloved this morning. I said you're accepted in the beloved this morning. You are accepted by him because Jesus took on the rejection of sin on the cross and it gives you life this morning and I life this morning. Woo, that's good stuff. Praise God, God is good. And so, but even though Jesus was rejected, it never affected his, it never affected his decision making. It never affected his attitude toward the way he treated people. He didn't, he didn't keep it, uh, for, it didn't keep him from accomplishing what God sent him to this earth to do. See, when God heals rejection in our life, here's what he restores He restores your ability to make decisions that are right, He restores your attitude towards people, regardless of how they treat you. The truth is, those of you who suffer rejection, when people treat you a certain way, you write them off. You're done with them. But Jesus loved them anyway. It didn't affect the way that Jesus treated them. And regardless of how we are to be treated in this life or what people do to us, we still have a responsibility to treat them the way that Jesus would want us to treat them. Because you're going to be rejected by people. People will hurt you. People will hurt you, but how, listen, when, re, when rejection is healed in our life, we treat people differently. There'll be a restoration of the accomplishment of God's work in your life. Rejection can keep you from the will of God and, the, and, and how the will of God is played out in your life. See, because love is our greatest need. Your, your need and my need, our greatest need is love. And the Bible says God is love. Is that not true? And so we were created by love to love. If God is love, he created us. Love created us to love. The common denominator is this, is that, is that he's the God, uh, he loved all the human race. We all were created by God and we all were created to love because our greatest need is love. And because our greatest need is love, rejection is our greatest fear. Rejection is our greatest fear. Most people fear, listen, I saw a survey where most people fear public speaking more than they do death. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's amazing. Now, some of you, if I asked you to come up here and speak, you'd probably wet your pants before you got up here because you have such a fear of, 
of speaking in public. That's okay. I mean, not everybody is designed to speak in public. But what happens is, is we, we, we have a fear, and, and, and what happens is, is that one of the reasons why people struggle to talk publicly is because of the fear of mass rejection. And so some people are not made for that. But the truth is, when we are rejected, fear is our greatest obstacle. Rejection is, the, is our greatest scar. Rejection is our greatest scar because uh, I have found that as I have counseled over the years, that most people, that most of their scars come from the damages and the scars of relationships that have damaged them and scarred them and rooted in reject, rejection. So our greatest control point is that is that is that is 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 rejection. Rejection is the thing that controls the way we respond. Rejection can have a powerful impact in how we respond to life and how we respond to people and how we respond to because we will make decisions and our attitudes and the way we live life will be based upon rejection. It's a control point in our life. Most people are controlled not by the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life, but they're controlled by the leading of whether or not they do things by faith, whether they are rejected or not. You hearing what I'm saying? Does that make sense? In other words, people live and they do things based upon the fear of rejection. In other words, because our corresponding need for love and approval because of this it's it, it because this is it changes how we live and make decisions it didn't change the way jesus lived or made decisions it changes how we treat people it keeps us from accomplishing the will of god it is a big issue it is a big control point because it's the one thing the devil can use to keep you from freedom and to keep you from the will of god if the enemy can make you feel that you personally have been rejected and that you are rejected, if he can make you feel that way, he can keep you from the will of God for your life. Because when we feel rejected, we respond to people different ways. And we necessarily don't respond in the way that God would want us to respond, but we respond in a way that protects us. Why? Because we're protecting our heart. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be seen as not loved or cared about or liked. Let me give you a clue. Not everybody in this world is going to like you. <laughs> Let me give you another clue. There will be a whole lot of people in this world that won't like you. But the truth is, when, when rejection becomes a control point in our life that controls how we respond, we never get to the will of God for our life. We just keep eating off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of eating out of the tree of life. Because the tree of life gives us freedom, and the freedom says that we know who we are in Christ. We belong to him. There's no need to feel rejected because we have been accepted by him. And if we've been accepted by him, it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks in our life. Whew, I got the right crowd, I hope, this morning. 
So I want to share with you a couple things. Number one, I, I want to share with you some forms of rejection. Here are some forms of rejection. In other words, one is feeling that we being unwanted as a child. You know how many people that have sat in my office and they have made this statement at 30 and 40 and 50 years old, my parents never wanted me. And some of them would say they even said they never wanted me. Listen, why this is so powerful in my life is because this is, this is the, of, of all the four heart blockages that we're talking about, this is the thing that I have struggled with the most. Can I just be transparent? You know, for years, I, I mean, you know my family, I, I don't want to go back in all that history again, but I have, I have two older half-brothers and sisters that we have the same mom but different dads. I have one biological brother, we have the same dad and mom, and then I have two stepbrother and sister who we don't share mom and dad. We just are, we're a blended family. And so there were six of us all together. But the interesting thing was is that me and my brother were the only biological between my mother and father. And so as I got older over the years, I sensed, now listen, I love my dad. I love my father. My father was a great provider. He worked 37 years for the same company, hardly ever missed a day. He was there every day. He was a self-taught engineer. He never went to school for it, but he taught himself. He worked hard every day. He worked 37 years, and you know what they gave him the day he retired? They gave him a watch. 37 years, that's loyalty. But that's the hour we live in. We don't honor people anymore for their faithfulness. And so as I got older, I began to think. I thought to myself, you know, I always felt... Just a little bit of rub, a little different with my father. He was hard to communicate with. If he was here this morning, listen, I, I, I'm not dissing my, I love my dad. He was hard to communicate with. He was not affectionate. He was not one that would uh, uh, express his feelings. He was not a crier. He was one, hey, strap up your bootstraps, quit crying, wipe off the blood, go on, tomorrow's another day. Right? He was kind of that way. And, but he did have a soft heart because every time he'd come to hear me preach, he'd sit in the back and cry the whole time and then run out before I could talk to him. But here's the thing. I always fought this little bit. I always fought internally this little bit of rejection from my father. And I often wondered what it was. I, I, we weren't close. He was very close to my younger brother. My younger brother, he had it all together. He was, he's smart. He's an accountant. He's A's and B kind of guy. I mean, his shirts are so stiff and so straight, they wouldn't wrinkle after a full day's work. That's how straight he is. He's straight. He's a pencil pusher. He is a numbers guy. And if it don't balance, then he, he's not going home till it balances. That's just how he is. And him and my father had a really good relationship. And, and you know what? I kind of felt a little jealous of that. He paid for my brother's education, but he didn't pay for mine. And I thought to myself, I thought a little bit rejected by that, but I often thought, but as I got older, I began to think, and the Lord spoke to me. I never realized, but I was born out of wedlock. My father and mother, my father started dating my mother, who was a barmaid, started dating her, got her pregnant, and I realized that after all these years, I was the reason he married her. Listen to me, y'all. Listen, I'm just being transparent with you this morning. I... I don't, 
I'm just telling you my story, and, and it's not, it may not be yours, but I'm just telling you that if we're going to understand what rejection is, we got to be a, there has to be an honesty that we deal with in our hearts if we're going to deal with heart issues. And I always felt like he, he, he threw that anger of having to marry my mother, which was a disastrous marriage, that he threw that on me. That I was the reason that he had to marry her. Because see, back in 1967, you just didn't walk away from a girl you got pregnant. Now today, the father leaves and they never see him. And everybody in the family has to raise him. Okay, y'all ain't helping me this morning. I'm telling, I'm going to go to the church down the street. Listen, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Because that's the world we live in. But back then, you just didn't walk out on somebody. You got pregnant. You married them. You did what was right. You owned up to it. And my dad was an honorable guy. He had a lot of character. He owned up to it. He married her. I don't think he ever loved her. Well, I'm talking too much. I probably. (laughs) I don't think he ever loved her. Matter of fact, I know he didn't. Because if you wanted to get his hair, stand up. I remember one of the first times Laura came over to meet my father. And he was so sweet. And so, and then, but you start talking about my mom in front of my dad. She did that one time. Woo! We had to leave. No, I'm telling you, people can carry that much bitterness in their heart towards people. Unforgiveness, pain. It's a source of pain. She was a source of pain. And so that was, I felt, was projected. But I never had the guts to talk to him about it. I never sat down with him and shared my heart that I felt the way I did. And so I went through my early stages of life feeling rejected and it isolated me. I made bad decisions as a young man because I didn't have a father who inputted into my life how to do certain things, how to love a wife how to pay your bills, how to do certain things. And I had to learn those things all on my own through trial and through difficulty and at times through making bad mistakes. Rejection will derail your life if you don't deal with it. And we accept it and we we feel the emotions, but we never deal with the emotions. We continually suppress them and suppress them, hoping they will get better. Let me tell you something. They won't get better. And I've stood over my father's casket and over his grave many times wishing I had had that conversation. But because I didn't, I had to make the decision, I've got to stop eating off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and stop walking in a spirit of rejection and start living off the tree and knowing that God's grace is big enough to cover us even when we have pain. That the spirit of rejection doesn't have to be a part of your life. You can release it. Hallelujah. And I'm free from this day. I, don't, I, I have nothing to get. My father was every one of my baseball games. He came and watched me. I played, I played over 50 high school football games. He was at every single one of them. You can be present but not be emotionally present. You hear what I'm saying? Listen, dads, the problem we have in society is not so much dads will show up to certain things, but are dads emotionally involved in their children? That's true fathering. 
And I'm just here to tell you that rejection can come in many forms. Man, I just, I ain't getting anywhere this morning. Rejection can come in the form of not being loved or accepted, being excluded, lack of affection, lack of attention. In relationships, it can be in personal activities, it can be in sports, it can be in any gathering, left out, laughed at, gossiped about, lied about, compared to in some way unfavorably in your life, a form of rejection. Divorce is a form of rejection. It's a painful form of rejection. Adultery is a form of rejection. Abandonment is a form of rejection. Abuse is a form of rejection, whether it's physical, whether it's sexual, whether it's verbal. Neglect is a form of abuse and a form of rejection. Not chosen by or favored by or accepted by certain. Did you know discrimination is a form of rejection? Racism is a form of rejection. Sexism is a form of rejection. I just want to say, I'm just going to say it once. I don't care if anybody gets mad, but I'm just going to say it. I I thought what John MacArthur said this past week about women was absolutely uncalled for. I'm thankful for the women of God that God has raised up in this hour. And I want to tell you, I love RVCC women because we have some powerful women in this church. And they can speak behind my pulpit anytime. No, that don't deserve a golf clap. That deserves a better clap than that. God has blessed us with some godly women in this church. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm not going to say anything else about that. But having and maintaining social and financial and physical and spiritual standards that are out of our reach, that's a form of rejection, trying to keep up with the Joneses or trying to keep up with an expectation that you're unable to keep. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. A chronic lack of unemployment. Listen. There's no greater feel of rejection than chronically being rejected and looking for work. It's powerful. Premature death in our lives. I'm telling you, suicide can make you feel rejected. When someone takes their own life and you feel Maybe that's part of the reason my father struggled so much. His dad came in on an afternoon and working. He worked for a Green Line Bus Company. He was a mechanic and he was a driver, his father was. My dad was 20 years old. He was sitting at the dinner table with his other five siblings in his life. He came in. He bypassed everybody, did not say a word, went to his bedroom and shot himself with the whole family sitting at the dinner table. I'm telling you, suicide and the taking of life can make you feel rejected. What could I have done? Did they not love me enough? Did they not care for me enough? Why would they do that? Did they not know that I would do what I could to help them? Is this the world we're living in? Is this not the world we're living in? Let's just be honest. Rejection can come in many forms in our life. But then there's some people that experience rejection, but there's some people who walk around with a spirit of rejection. And the spirit of rejection is they expect it. They live it. 
It defines them. Rejection is who they're defined in. We are, we will, and we will be. It changes the way you think. It changes your attitude and the way that you deal with people. I thought to myself, I thought, you know, there's a spirit of rejection that is released into this nation. You know how I know that? Because in 1930, 80% of all adults were married. Today, 40% of all adults are married. And the reason is, is because nobody wants to marry. Because they're afraid of commitment. They're afraid of being rejected. No, I'm telling you, that's the spirit of, listen, the spirit of rejection does not allow you to be committed. That's why churches struggle with attendance all over America. And those who are in church, okay, I'm just going to, and those who attend church are less likely to be committed to church. I'll come, pastor, but don't ask me to do anything. (laughs) Why? You know why? Because when you commit, you have to submit. And when you submit, if you don't understand the power of rejection and understand, and if you view everything through the prism of rejection, you'll struggle with authority. You'll struggle with with. Uh, uh, how people respond to you, what they say to you. You can't handle it. So it's just as easy not to commit and not to commit to anything because I don't have to get emotionally involved. And if I don't have to be emotionally involved, then I don't have to deal with the issues that are in my life. And I can remain how I am and remain where I am. I don't have to grow. I don't have to mature. I don't have to change. I can be just who I want to be, where I want to be. That's fine. You can remain where you are. But I'm here to tell you that if you're going to live in freedom, there is a risk in relationships. There's a risk in commitment. And the spirit of rejection can get on people where they expect to be rejected. They expect that people not love them. They respect people not the truth. Listen, why do you think people walk around with green hair and 45 nails in their head and 72 ear pieces that come down? Listen, do you think that they're really trying to follow Versace and fashion? No, there are people who carry a spirit of rejection. And what happens is they say, I'm already rejected. I might as well give you reason to reject me. Because if I give you reason to reject me, you will, and I won't have to deal with the real reason of why I'm rejected. <laughs> Listen. It'll manifest in our attitudes. It'll manifest. Listen, I'm, listen, people with a spirit of rejection say, I'm a troublemaker. I'll always be a troublemaker. I'll never change. Why? They like being a troublemaker because the attention goes to the trouble they make and not why in their heart there is a void. I wish I had some people free this morning that could shout and say, Amen. Because we keep masking it. We keep masking it. We keep masking it. And I'm telling you, the pulpits of America keep allowing people to stay exactly where they are. 
And that's why we've got a nation, a nation that doesn't value marriage. They don't value morality. I told them Thursday night, I read an article, 80% of church are engaging in sex. 80%, not, not few. 80% of all kids that are teenagers go to church are having sexual relationship. Okay. Now that I've got your attention. Number two, not only forms of rejection, but there are four common unhealthy ways we react to rejection. I'm going to give them to you really quick because i got to stop here in a couple minutes. Number one is we avoid risk. We don't try in relationships. We reject others before they reject us. The spirit of rejection, we will treat other people bad before they can treat us bad because we expect them to treat us bad. As I just mentioned, lack of commitment, conforming to environment, then being yourself. Listen, people will avoid, those who have a spirit of rejection on them will avoid risk. They lay low. You know why they lay low? They lay low because they don't want to be rejected. They isolate themselves because they don't want to feel rejection. I want to tell you, anything you do by faith is a risk. Anything you do by faith is a risk, and that risk will always, always at the, at the risk of someone rejecting you. I'm telling you as a church, listen, just the, how many know the devil's a liar? The devil's a liar. Listen, all you have to do as a church is to do something that's different than somebody else. Start outreaching some way different than somebody else is doing. You know the thing you'll do? You'll get criticized for doing it. You know why? Because we just want to hang low. The devil wants the church to hang low. Just have your little service. Sing your little songs. Have your little gatherings. Enjoy your little chicken dinners and bingos and All the other things that you do. But don't get out there and try to change the world because the sooner you do, it's not the world that is going to start criticizing you. It's going, to people, it's going to be the people that are supposed to walk with you. I wish I had some. I'm just telling you. It's a lack of commitment. Listen, everything Jesus did, he knew it was going to lead to him being killed. Everything he did was a risk. I want to tell you, Jesus every night sat in his campfire with someone he knew was going to betray him and reject him. And he ate bread with them. Every night he sat in their camp knowing one day that this individual was going to betray him and reject him. But he still did what? He still loved him. And he treated him just like the rest of them. How do you treat people that reject you? Number two, not only do we avoid risk, but two, their anger and aggression. One of the four most common unhealthy expressions of rejection is anger and aggression. Just recently, 
A firm did a study, Leary, Wallish, and Smith, in 2013, studied that 13 out of the 15 last school shooters had chronic rejection by society and peers. Young people who feel rejected will outwardly display physical, uh, uh, physical appearances and, and dresses that, that, uh, that display that rejection. The most violent crime that are committed in America are create, committed by males who have recently come out of divorce or lost relationship with a girlfriend. Rejection has drive them to anger and aggression. Rejection will drive you to anger and aggression if you don't deal with it. Thirdly, hopelessness and despair. Rejection will cause you to live in hopelessness and despair, live in loneliness. Matter of fact, those who live in homeliness and uh, homeliness, <laughs> there's some homely, that's for sure. Hopelessness and despair have a much higher death rate and they die sooner. They have a more higher mental and emotional problems than anyone else. And it's not the pain. That's the difficulty. But it's listening to the enemy about the message of their pain. I'm telling you, it's not the pain. We all go through pain. We all reject it. We all struggle. We all have difficulty. We all have to fight rejection. We all have to fight people who don't like us or want to be around us or want us. But it's not the pain of that. We all have dads who left us and left us. We have mothers who have abandoned us. We all have people uh, that have divorced and we have gone through pain. We have suffered loss. We have all of us have walked through it, but it's not the pain. Jesus can heal the pain. The problem is, is that we listen to what Satan says to us about the pain. And what he says is, is this with subliminal thoughts. He said, You're not worthy, you're not loved. No one cares for you. You will never be loved. Something is wrong with you. You're defective. Why try? People don't love you. God doesn't love you. You're undesirable. You're a loser. You will always disappoint. Your marriage failed. You'll always be a disappointment. You didn't graduate college. You'll always be a disappointment. You didn't live up to the standards that others had placed for you. You'll always be a loser. And what happens is the devil whisper her, speaks in our ear, and we listen, and we listen, and we listen, and we listen. And what happens is over time, you become programmed to think with the spirit of rejection. And you walk through life always rejected. And because of that, you don't have close relationships. You don't let anybody close. You don't let anybody see the real you. Because the devil whisperer has told you you're not loved and worthy. Let me tell you, I'm thankful. I've got, I, I don't have a whole lot of close friends. I have a few. But I'm thankful that I know that those that are closest to me they love me not because I'm a pastor. They love me because of me. And I don't have to perform and I don't have to do anything. 
They love me because they want to be my company. They, I want to be in their company. They love me because they know if I struggle, they're going to be there regardless if it's my fault or not my fault. And I'm going to be there for them. And I'm going to be there for them and I'm not going to reject them because it's not about their performance. It's about who they are. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus doesn't love you because you're perfect. Jesus doesn't love you because you have done all the right things perfectly all your life. You've been a great mom, great grandparent. Great, you have Listen, we all have made mistakes. But Jesus loves you because you're you. He, doesn't, he loves you because you were born and you were his. And when you were on the cross, as the song said, you were on his mind completely. And he has given you access to be accepted in the beloved because you're loved by him. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no hopelessness and despair in Christ. I'm telling you, you can take your thoughts. Some of you need to de-hardwire your, your programming. Quit thinking you're lost. Quit thinking something's wrong with you. Quit thinking you'll never be married. You'll never accomplish. You'll never do anything. I'm here to tell you, you can. You will. And with God's help, that spirit of rejection can be broken off of you. And you can walk in freedom and victory in your life. Thank God for victory. Number four. We carry the spirit of rejection because we're overly sensitive. And I can't read my writing. Don't reject me. (laughs) I got it now. Number four. Overly sensitive and dependent on the approval and the acceptance of other people. We live in the spirit of rejection because we're so oversensitive and dependent on what others think about us instead of what Christ thinks about us. We're so sensitive to re- rejection that the simplest thing can cause us to react. Usually those who struggle with approval and are sensitive If you're female, they usually respond because their self-esteem is so low. They think so less of themselves. They feel like they have to defend everything that comes at them. Everything somebody says is personal to them. We're sensitive in the hour we live in. we got to be careful what we say in the workplace because we don't want the ungodly to be offended by our righteousness we got to be sensitive in school because we don't want other religions to feel outcast. Everyone's sensitive. We seek approval from everyone. So when we do that, we perform and we do things in order to be acknowledged. If I'm not acknowledged and preferred, then I respond. People who are overly sensitive are self-centered and self-absorbed. They're very offendable and very reactive. They're people-pleasers in a wrong way. They perform, and usually what will happen is they'll compromise 
their standards in order to fit in. You know why teenagers are having sex and not worrying about the moral consequence? Because it's about fitting in. They're willing to compromise what should be something that is pure in order to be accepted. I'm telling you, it's not just teenagers, but it's adults. Churches are full with people who live together. Okay, y'all don't get mad at me. I don't care if Uncle Joe and Lucy are together and they live together and they go to church and they love Jesus. I want to tell you, sin is sin. Sin is sin. And we don't want people to feel rejected because they're sensitive. I'm here to tell you that what needs to happen is we need again to bring a revival of the Word of God. We don't need a revival to teach people to run. We don't need a revival just to teach people how to speak in tongues. We need a revival that opens the Word of God and writes the Word of God on the heart of men and women. David said, I hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. (laughs) Yep, that'll get an email. Adam, if you'll come, I'm going to close. How do we overcome rejection? Hmm, I didn't get to that. How do we overcome rejection? We have to base our life on God's perfect love. And what his word says about you. You want to overcome rejection? You have to understand what the word of God says about you. Hebrews chapter 13 says he'll never leave you nor forsake you or never turn his heart away from you. You know what that means? It means there's nothing you can do to turn the heart of God away from you. You are accepted. You are accepted by him. When Jesus came out of that tomb, you were immediately accepted. In other words, those who don't receive God's love live in the spirit of rejection. You have to receive his God's love. You have to receive God's love. Understand that he loves you. Ephesians 1 tells us that we're a part of the family of God. And because of that, Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 tells us that we're part of the family of God, that we are secure in Christ Jesus. I'm secure in Christ Jesus. I'm secure in Christ Jesus. Do you know there's nothing that can pluck you out of the hand of God once you're in it? You understand you belong to Him? As Psalms of Solomon said, my beloved is mine, and I'm my beloved. I know denominations that you, 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 you make a mistake today, you're going to hell. You're going to go to the altar next Sunday, every week for your sins. Listen, I'm one that believes in the security of the believer. I believe the believer is secured. If he has been born again and washed in the blood, he's secure. There's nothing more secure than that. You're not rejected. You don't have to live rejected. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Secondly, you have to pursue godly relationships. I got saved. I lost all my friends, Scott. All of them. Every one of them. Zero. Out the door. I didn't call them again. I didn't go clubbing again. I didn't smoke hag bones anymore. I didn't smoke doobies with them. 
on Saturday and be in church on Sunday. I stopped going to keg parties. Stopped violating women. I know y'all don't like that talk. It's supposed to be proper here this morning. We're in church. I'm telling you, some of y'all need to hear this. Because I'm telling you, the thing that's sitting in our churches of today are fornicators and drunks and doobie smokers. And then we'll have a worship service and they're lifting their hands and they're praising Jesus and they don't even know the price that was paid for them. I'm here to tell you, when, you're, when you understand you're not rejected, you understand the price that Jesus paid for you. And you got to pursue relationships that are going to be a blessing to your life, not a curse to your life. You better kick old, old uh, cousin Jack to the curb, baby. Because he's toxic for you. He's toxic. you got to pursue godly relationships. Relationships. Listen, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves all the time. A brother is born in adversity. You know what that means? That means a true friend will love you all the time. Listen, this blessed me today. Thank you. But I want to tell you, I don't look at you as a congregation. You're my family. You're my life. I don't preach to get a paycheck. It's nice. I can eat chicken wings every once in a while, and it's nice. I can pay my bills. But the reason I like being here is not because I get the pastor. It's because I get to hang around some of the greatest friends a pastor could ever ask for. And I like being around you. I like hanging with you. I like doing things with you. Why? Because a brother is a friend. And when one of you in need, I don't hesitate. I don't hesitate because it's expected of me as a pastor to just jump when something's going on in your life. You know what? I do it because I love to do it. I love you. Laura loves you. When you hurt, I hurt. I don't know how many times I've driven home from the hospital when some of you have struggled and been in pain or from a funeral home and, and, and I've cried. But some of you have battled rejection all your life and you've never dealt with it. Third, don't take rejection personal. And finally, forgive those who have rejected you. And give them God's love and acceptance in return. Jesus said, love your enemies. The hardest thing you'll learn to do is to love people that have rejected you. You know, the conversation I wish I had with my dad is that if you're here this morning 